0: Welcome to the Learn Beach Volleyball Fast podcast, the podcast where we apply the science of mastering skills faster, stories of successful people, life hacking concepts, and other cool stuff to the sport of beach volleyball. If you're someone who is serious about getting better at the sport and wouldn't mind accelerating your learning curve and career with ideas that have been previously hard to find within the beach volleyball space, you'll probably like it in here. I'm Alex, the host of the podcast as well as the creator of the bigger Learn Beatfall Fast project. Now, let's get started. What's up? Welcome back to the podcast. This is part two of my very long conversation with Nate Semliak. I sort of interrupted the last episode sort of in the middle of a sentence almost because there was just no no good place to, to split the episode up into two. So what I'll do is I'll replay just a minute of the end of the last podcast and then it will continue until the end. All right, let's get started. I'm now realizing when I'm listening to this and, and your thoughts is that I think one thing that I need to do for my own game is, is I think my head thinks that everyone is very sneaky and can change their tactics very quickly. Uh, so, so I don't think I look for patterns enough mm-hmm. because I think that they're not stupid enough to do patterns. <laughs> I think, it's but, also, but I think yeah. in reality patterns happen a lot more than my mind wants, wants to do, and I should adapt to those patterns. Yeah, and even if you look at like some of the top
1: world tour players, they have patterns, and people try to play a certain strategy against them. You mm-hmm. know, and um, you know there might be a player that is very dominant on the diagonal, and they're, I mean, people are going to decide differently. They're going to try to put a block against him. They're going to try to do a defense against him on the diagonal, or they might even try to double. Mm -hmm. Um, And people are gonna take different approaches to that, but, you know, uh, I think first uh, you have, like, people are gonna go with what's comfortable for them first, and until you stop that, they're not gonna change. That's true. A little bit like in that general state. Yeah. Uh, Yeah,
0: that's probably a good prediction of how people are gonna do. I mean, if
1: my favorite hit is diagonal and I'm scoring uh, against two diagonals, why would I change? True. I mean, a lot of times we just overthink it and it's like, oh, I hit now two diagonals, now he's gonna know, but if, you know, <laughs> if how many defenders <laughs> actually then take that giant step towards the diagonal to defend just the diagonal? Yeah. And then hopefully, if they do, then hopefully I can see it and just do an easy line shot or something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But, you know, that's also, that's also the development that goes for a lot of the top players. They develop one really good hit that opens, opens up the court for them And then they develop a sort of solid or a really good counter. But Mm -hmm. even some of the best players, they don't use all the shots. No, they just have two. They have two or three really good ones. And what's important for those hits that they're a little bit on the different corners of the court. So, you know, that the defense cannot cover it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, I don't want to like name any one now, but, uh, you know, there's players who have a really good diagonal hit. So they, you know, it's a sharp or a really good diagonal hit that can almost do in sleep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're going to do it until you don't stop it. Yeah. And once, you know, a defender takes a step there or once a blocker does a giant step or a dive into, then they're just going to use the other side. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's, in a sense, it's way simpler than, you know, we we think. Yeah. But you have to be, like, I always want to, when I'm coaching, I want... I want my hitters or my players to have one hit that they're really good at. Okay. And they can do it almost in a sleep, in a almost like a fadeaway. I'm exaggerating now. Mm-hmm. This is not really how I want it. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they should be able to do it all the time. Uh-huh. You know, sort of like, a, you know, we used to play this uh, uh, video game, NBA 2K or whatever it was. And, you know, Dirk Nowitzki would always do like... A, Fade away that nobody could stop. Uh So it's like a go-to move that is almost unstoppable. You know, they sort of lean into the defender, push the defender slightly off, and then they take a step away so nobody can block them. And if you you have this shot, Uh you know, if you can always hit, you know, four or five meters diagonal, one of the two block, one of the two defenders has to go for it. So either a defender has to take an early step there, and then he's opening up the line, or the blocker has to either step there towards the diagonal and then you can see it or he has to do a giant dive and you can again hopefully see it Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: would you go as far as saying that that's the secret to becoming good attackers to have that one diagonal four meter like very steep no (laughs) (laughs) i don't think
1: it's uh i don't think you have to necessarily have that one but i think it definitely like i think every hitter has sort of one go to that they can do almost in a sleep yeah, yeah, At least on the, the top level. Yeah. You know, you obviously have Bjorn here who, you know, his line was, he could do it. You know, we used to joke that, uh, for example, for Bjorn, uh, that when the court changed from nine to eight meters, that he had to like uh, renovate his living room and shorten it for a meter that so he could practice his <laughs> line shot, you know, because <laughs> it was just, it was a joke, but it, yeah. he was like, he was so consistent <laughs> with it. That it was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I even remember him missing one. And like we played a, together. A line we, shot
0: to the corner. Yeah, yeah, just
1: a long line shot. Yeah. It was always in. <laughs> so the funny thing was we played uh, in, here in Umea. I think it was 2012. We played Hannes and Steve, uh, Bringborg and Gunnarsson. Yeah. Um, here in Umea in the final. And because they knew his line shot was so dominant, the strategy for them was that they actually played like a reverse defense, so Hannes didn't go and stand in his diagonal. Hannes started on his line, uh-huh. and Stéve was blocking his diagonal, okay. and that was their basic defense against him. Interesting. <laughs> because he, his line was so good, that they didn't want to even go, so they just did it counter. <laughs> so they forced him to do a diagonal shot over the block, and Hannes would try to run it. Okay. And it worked really well for them. It did? Because, you know, in some tough situation, Bjorn just went back to his... Normal. Yeah. I'm not saying this is necessarily a good defense against Bjorn now. I mean, Hannes and Steva had some other things going for them, like, you know, good serve, moving him around, uh, a big block. So it was a lot of things coming together. And I think if they would have played the same strategy, you know, 10 times, after a while, you know, it would be Bjorn would, you know adapt to it, start going to some different shots. But, you know, you just don't expect it a little bit. And it, it worked out really well for them. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, because his line was so dominant, you know, they defended the line first and tried to get go into his counter shots a bit more, force him to his counter shots. Uh, and then, then they could either block, pull, Hannes could still, Hannes could still run for them. Uh, and maybe a cut shot wasn't something that was Bjorn's favorite. So they used it against him and it worked like i said in this one match it worked i don't know if it would work over a long period yeah. but yeah yeah over a season or so how does this feel so far is it fun yeah i mean as you can see i'm i'm opinionated as well so we can we can have those <laughs> discussions it's not a problem <laughs> yeah that's good <laughs> no, but the only thing for you is probably that uh you want to go a little bit more into the volleyball technical stuff and uh
0: uh not necessarily like <clears throat> My, my my goal with this whole project is to have sort of a holistic uh, approach to everything like mm-hmm. I love going it doesn't matter so much about if it's technique or strategy or mm-hmm. mentality or how you think about just your career or mm-hmm. or whatever else that might might help us become better beach volleyball mm-hmm. players it doesn't really matter uh, what, I, what I miss like is is this uh, simple mindedness like this is how it should be and but then there's like 15 but what ifs and then they don't get answered so, mm-hmm. so I just love having a platform where where there's actually time to go into yeah uh, into those things like because I know these are the conversations that happen between players and coaches when no one's listening yeah <laughs>
1: well I think I think we always have sort of a an agreed line where we want to get yeah. Um, so, you know, for us it's, um, uh, depends, I mean, if you have a one-time coach or if you have somebody who you work with a little bit more long-term, mm-hmm. but obviously if you work with somebody more long-term, you've, I really, I really enjoyed this when, uh, I think it happened. I'm not going to go now into names, not to get anybody offended, yeah. but, uh, it was in Germany. One coach was taking over a new team mm-hmm. and he first met with them and he had a, a Technic alignment uh, meeting so you know like obviously he's taking over a team that's already been training a lot and they've done You know a lot of training Mm -hmm. and they sort of have a specific uh, Technical goals that they want to achieve or like how they, how they wanna look, or how, not how they wanna look, but how they wanna do a pass, how they wanna do yeah, a set. Yeah. So And maybe his background is a little bit different from what they were doing, so they, he first met with them just to hear them out what they're trying to achieve and then you know, align this that they're all moving in the same direction. And I thought this is something that I've actually never heard before. Mm-hmm. You know, usually you get a coach and he has his vision and then he tries to get that vision on you. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's, this is amazing you know, yeah. and obviously it was like, you know, like a coach that is, you know, a good coach, mm-hmm. you know, who who's respected in his circles or yeah. whatever. Uh, and he still met with mm-hmm. the players. He could have just tried to go like, you know, that his top bottom approach is like, you know, I've always done it like this. This is what I've yeah. learned. For me, this is the most efficient. But he actually tried and he, you know, and, even met with their ex-coaches or whatever. But I thought that was a great approach. Yeah. But if you have somebody one time, then basically, you know, they can just basically tell you what they know and what, they, what they've what they been taught so far or what they think. Yeah. And then it's really hard to like even look for alignment. But if you're working with somebody who's a little bit more long-term, I think this is great. And I think it requires also a certain personality to accept that it's not always going to be 100% your way mm-hmm. and that somebody wants to do it a little bit differently or stuff like that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think that's a that's a good approach to to have that sort of, like you always have beliefs what you believe, but also have that softness because all of a the sudden there is a player that has a different body that you've never seen before, mm-hmm. and actually something works for them that you have never seen work for anyone else. And, yeah. uh, and in that case, I think it's good as a coach to be sort of open-minded and flexible enough to think like, oh, mm. interesting, I'm learning something new here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, to a certain level, yeah, but then also there's
1: also like you know there's always more efficient things, you know. Yes. So I agree. So there's you know
0: e- yeah. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> absolutely. It's yeah. it's really it's it's a tricky tricky <laughs> tricky waters to manage or or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that um, so. This coach then basically had a meeting with the players. And, yes, even before. listened a lot to their theories. and. I, well, I
1: mean, I obviously wasn't there in the meeting. I was mm-hmm. just sort of told about it uh, because I, I know them. and uh, But I thought it was interesting that he met with the players he is about to take over and coach. You know, it was this... Uh, and now he meets with them and they're doing... And they called it like this technical alignment or like, you know... So he, him getting to know their philosophy and them getting to know his philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, you know, great. It is. And like I said, I think most coaches I even know, they wouldn't take the time or they wouldn't consider that because, you know, obviously it comes a little bit with the, this, I don't hope this doesn't come out wrong, but a little bit with the ego and it's a coach's ego. Mm-hmm. Is like, you know, obviously this and, you know, all the coaches believe they're doing the absolute best for the athlete. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of them have, they're trying to do anything bad to the athlete. Mm -hmm. But, you know, how do we really know that they're always the most educated and they know the best?
0: Yeah. So that always becomes the question. And, yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the players also trust the coach more when they feel like they have been listened to. Yes. And uh, because... I think beach volleyball is a sport where a lot of people do their own thinking to a big extent. Like they they hear some coaches, and then they, then they one day have two different coaches that say the different different things so completely yeah. against each other, and then they go like, "What the fuck is happening now?" So then they start thinking themselves. Uh, <laughs> but in general, I think it gives trust to have this this approach where you do listen to whoever you're going to coach, also.
1: Yeah, and I think part of it is because beach volleyball is missing so much structure that you don't have a set coach a lot of times so when you're starting to play when you're in your environment a lot of times there are no organized coaching session because the club doesn't organize it maybe you're not a national team right Mm -hmm. so that's why then you get a lot of different opinions so that's why maybe beach volleyballers maybe reflect a bit more than some others need to it's out of necessity Mm-hmm. Um, so I think some structure wouldn't hurt as well because then you know it would be easier for a lot yeah. of players. Uh, but on the other side, it's also a little bit of a player's ego, isn't it? If I've mentioned the coach's ego, then there's also a player's ego. of course. you know, sometimes we're just holding on to stuff because this is what we've been trying, and it's not easy to accept that maybe it wasn't the best way. And now somebody's coming in who maybe even knows better, but we're just holding on to, you know. Because, yeah, I've always tried to do this. And this, you hear that so often yeah. in indoor and beach volleyball. Yeah. You know, you get to a new team and a coach is trying to challenge you and, like, change something. And you're like, yeah, but I don't want to. And they ask you, why not? Oh, because I've always done it like that. Yeah. You have really no other way of explaining yeah. it. And it's like, and then, you know, I've had that in, like, college team or whatever. And the guy would just go back like, yeah, that's a, that's a really good argument there, you know. But it, <laughs> And it's just egos colliding.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah and, and also i think because i've done a lot of my own thinking like i've done a lot of thinking that i then have trained and then i have found relative success with my own theories mm-hmm. and i think this also creates a type of ego because it's it makes it even more difficult for me to hear out someone else's theories that are completely different than mine mm-hmm. because i i put so much thought so much work into creating this thing and it seems to work yeah but it brought you till here does it really bring you further exactly yeah so that's the question
1: that's always then a question that we don't ask ourselves enough it really got us to here Mm -hmm. but will it also get us further yeah and maybe we need to change something now you know like is that what you're doing good enough for you to receive andy mo's serves yeah you know or evandro's serve yeah um, I don't know, <laughs> I <haven't> Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, and that's the thing though, like with our current knowledge, and this is something that is hard to, we, we, we would need to put numbers on it, but you know, with my current knowledge, I can receive a jump serve, maybe up to like 80 kilometers per hour. Mm-hmm. Anything that goes over 80 kilometers per hour is going to be too fast for me. So obviously, I need to train something so I can receive 85, 90 kilometers per hour. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do? Do I need to judge the ball better? So is it a visual thing? Or is my motor program not good enough? Do I like you know, do I swing my arms like a golf or like, you know, like a golf swing? Do I you know uh, do something else? Mm-hmm. There's obviously th- those two components. Yeah. Um, so those are then need to be identified, and you know maybe you know where is my barrier will i be able to be fast and good enough to receive serves at 120 kilometers per hour and
0: yeah. you know essentially that's what you want to get at mm-hmm. so yeah absolutely yeah and it's um one thing more about this this approach of of having this humble coaching or whatever you want to call it uh, yeah. is uh it takes time and that's that's the constant struggle i also have with or struggle and struggle is a strength and a struggle because it it weeds out people so like if you explain things longer some people are just not going to listen because they think that everything should be simple and, and explain in 30 seconds yeah. uh, so they they zone out if, if someone starts explaining like the intricacies and details <laughs> yeah. uh, and then some people have that have the mind of maybe at least you know me and you where, where you enjoy the details mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the, the short explanations they become like ah oh, you know why are you dumb explaining this thing? Can't you just talk about it properly instead? Yeah, but what is the what is the situation now? Are you coaching
1: somebody on a regular basis, or is this more like a one-time coaching? You know,
0: that's that's a good good question because if you coach on a regular basis, it's it's easier to on the in the long term get yeah, into like, those details. So probably if you're coaching somebody on a long ter-
1: long term, then you know in an ideal situation you have a little bit of maybe even just a. Not, I'm not going to call it a theory session, but maybe you meet yeah, and you align yeah. a little bit, or like, you know, you understand the philosophy. But then also, even for me, I don't want my coach on the court explaining me stuff for two hours. Exactly. You know, like then, and I think that was also, again, principles, uh, general principles. You know, it sh- should be just keywords. I mm-hmm. don't need to, like, if you also told me something already like five times, then you just need to say one or two words and I should know what it's about and I can make this uh, this adjustment but if then again every time i make the same mistake you take 2 minutes to explain that stuff to me of course. i'm sorry
0: i'm i'm kicking you to the curb of course yeah. of course absolutely yeah. Uh, yeah absolutely no i think i'm i think my experience comes mostly from from the one time coachings uh, mm. when uh, because uh, on a on a long term commitment it's it's much easier to, to over time create this thing okay you have the long explanation once and then you it becomes just a word mm-hmm. uh, it's just when people ex, uh, expect it to be a we have never met before they mm-hmm. expect you to give the one magic word that will fix everything yeah and sometimes sometimes it exists sometimes you can just be like hey think imagine you're a tiger and yeah. then they imagine they're a tiger and all of a sudden it starts working and that's that's amazing <laughs> for everyone uh, but some, sometimes it is you need mm. to go into more like mm. how do we think about this
1: well i think also when you're like uh, long-term coaching it's like it's also you have to work on i don't know it becomes a little bit more repetitive You know, obviously, like, you blow their mind now a little bit with the one-time coaching and explain them something new they never thought about. Mm -hmm. But then they maybe get it, you know, they're obviously not going to get it 10 out of 10 times. Mm -hmm. It will take certain repetitions. So, you know, when you're changing something completely, it will be a success when they do it once because they're going to see how good it feels, how it actually, the result is good. But they're still going to probably miss it like two, three, four times. Mm -hmm. And only get it once. Yeah. Uh, You know, so it's... uh, And then you're going to be like when you're long term coaching, you're going to try to get it to like, okay, we're going to need to get it like now four out of five times nine out of ten times, you know, 14 out of 15, 19 out of 20, you know, that those are going to become the successes then. Mm -hmm. So it becomes also just a little bit more repetitive. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. And when you're one time coaching, you can kind of sort of like, you know, point out one thing Mm -hmm. uh, that sort of like is a little bit more of a drastic change, maybe or stuff like that. And it's success is a little bit bigger. But in the long run, it's also being consistent. So it's not just about doing this, you know, yeah, general
0: diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's I I personally enjoy more the long term uh, things or, or one on ones uh, over one time group coaching sessions where you barely have time with people. Uh, but but there's value in both, uh, and it's. Uh, it's uh, it's fun to do both. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, we have talked for quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You need to tell me if you want to run out of here. <laughs> for me, it's not a problem as <laughs> long as point. as long as you see a value in it as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do. I think it feels like we can just uh, find a topic and and it becomes interesting somehow. Okay. <laughs> that's Good. the that's the magic of, of conversation. Um, so. Yeah, fuck it. We, we played the other day. Uh, it was really fun for me to, to play against uh, you and, and the other guys. I have had a lot of time off and uh, uh, an amazing thing about, with having this podcast is I can ask people questions also selfishly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you see for weaknesses in my game? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I think that's also like now it depends on uh, uh, on, you know, different skills uh so
0: oh what did you say in different, on yeah, different d- skills
1: on, on different skills like you know so you can talk about you know I think we all have our let's call it like construction points or like you know uh, we all are working on something mm-hmm. uh, so and then it's like are we
0: talking about hitting are we talking about passing and yeah you know, uh, uh, I I know <clears throat> when, I, when I think about my plan to become better I have uh, uh I have three main ones, and I might have a fourth one from, from us playing the other day. Yeah. Uh, the fourth one we sort of talked about before, uh, the topspin serves. I don't have a lot of experience with them mm. because almost no one does them, especially yeah. with the Mikasa, especially indoors. Yeah. Uh, so so I think I just need more. Just uh, Maybe I need to step, a, take a step further back. Maybe I need to just get more reps of them to, mm. to, to see more of those balls. Uh, But other than that, I've been reworking both my shoulder health and and a lot about how I hit. Uh uh, And I think I'm getting more into, uh, I think soon I need to go more into a stage of becoming a smart attacker. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always have this, um, I talked with Christian Sorm's dad. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he said this thing that stuck in my mind so hard, which was again I hope I'm not misquoting anyone Uh, but but he said that that Kristen had always been uh, he he attacks and then he sees the outcome Mm -hmm. Uh, either becomes a success or it doesn't Mm -hmm. and if it doesn't he he wonders why Mm -hmm. and is there something else I could have done in this situation that would have created a point Mm -hmm. so sometimes that leads to even weird strategies like <laughs> sending a float, sur- a float spike in- into the chest of someone or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically having the-, the mindset of that, no matter what the situation is almost, mm-hmm. there is a solution. Yep. I just haven't found it yet. Yeah. So-, so I need to find, so basically you're starting to map out in your mind More and more situations of what you could do there to to, to score points. Mm -hmm. Uh, I haven't, I've been too much in the technical and too much in just not having pain in my shoulder Mm -hmm. uh, in in the last couple of years, two or three years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I think I need to take a period of of thinking more like that, um, Mm -hmm. of becoming smarter as an attacker.
1: Yeah. And then if we talk a little bit about generalities again, you know, like I think in Sweden, people are trying to get, you know, because they have a little bit of a club structure or they have a little bit of an environment where they can train. um, They they train in a group session or with a coach a lot more than maybe some other places. And there's a lot more emphasis on like people like if I would look at even at a recreational level here, like anything from almost like beginners on, People are trying to get that feedback, what exactly do they need to be, do. They need to do? Uh, so it's a lot of focus on that motor program and mm-hmm. it's not so much focus on the visual if we go back to that mm-hmm. basic uh, um, thought. So like for example, when you know, I'm, I have different players for example in camps, I already know that a Swedish player is gonna be a little bit better mm-hmm. trained uh-huh. and for example a German player that, go, that comes there and they do less trainings but play a lot more, it's not gonna look as pretty uh, but usually the German player is going to win if they're about the same level. Because they're playing better. Yeah, they're yeah. playing better. They just make, you know, the decisions. And, you know, a lot of times a Swedish player, they come in like, you know, they have a perfect situation. And, you know, they, they're going to worry so much about maybe the arm swing or something, uh, you know but then they're going to miss the ball for like 20 centimeters out, while the German player is not going to, has no idea how he's done it. And this is now very yeah, much yeah, a generalization. Yeah, I hope yeah. no German or no Swede is going to get offended by that. But yeah. this is just a little bit of a background, for example, from the camp. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, and that, and, um, you know, the German player is going to play that ball more consistently in. Mm-hmm. And it might not look as pretty, but they're going to get the, the, you know, the job done. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, So it was maybe like when we played, for example you also opted out, you know, whenever you had a good situation, you wanted to hit the ball. I didn't shoot once. <laughs> yeah, I, that was maybe like once or twice, but yeah, 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 not very often, Yeah, yeah. you know, and also like, you know, we are both, we're not the tallest players. No. So, you know, it's also like, the more you try to hit the ball hard, mm-hmm. the, less, the less of the court you're using, mm-hmm. you know, so it, you're actually limiting your, your options. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and what is the one shot, for example, you didn't use a single time, At at least I think. You never used the cut shot, for example. No, I don't think I did. And then you also didn't hit a sharp angle. Mm -hmm. You know, so what does that tell for me as a blocker or a defender? Quite a lot. Yeah, so example. So, for example, as a defender, I can maybe scoot a little bit more over to the middle. You know, as a blocker, obviously, I don't have to, you know, if I'm diving angle, I don't have to dive towards the sharp angle. But it's, you know, so it's stuff like that. You're basically just taking some cord away. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so, you know, for example. Absolutely and uh, and i think it goes you know with the the more you play the more you're like also like okay in this you make decisions a little bit faster so you recognize the situation a little bit earlier while somebody who just trains they're like oh but how could have i hit the ball there you know like yeah so it's it's a little bit of a both you need to have the the motor program but you also need to recognize the situation absolutely so absolutely
0: and I, i know with myself that at this point i'm way Way skewed over towards the motor program. <laughs> yeah, yeah and then also it seemed that like a couple of times you know you you took
1: you took the decision a little bit earlier what you're gonna do. Mm-hmm. So for example, like there was like you know like you said you're gonna go look at the tape. but the first block that I that that I had against you mm-hmm. was just like I just left you the line wide wide open, right And then you know so you see that the line is open. I'm like lining up a little bit more in the diagonal. And then I go up and in the last moment I put my hands back to the line. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't, I wasn't the read. It was just like, okay, I'm just going to let you this. I'm, I want you to see this. I want you to, you feel confident about it. You mm-hmm. make your decision. And then once you made your decision, it's gone. Yeah. So, you know, it was just a show and take. Yeah. Um, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's um. Uh... Uh, yeah, I can, I can feel, uh, it's, it's funny, I have the same thing in, in defense. I, I can feel sometimes I'm twitching and I'm like nervous and, and not doing the, you know, not reacting. And it's the same with, with hitting. Sometimes I I, I get up and, and then I decide and sometimes I'm not. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so that's also part of the work I'm yeah. hopefully going to do in the next few months is, is to try to... But we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but as soon as, like, we're, we're forcing ourselves to do something, you know, when you're, like, trying to control the movement too much, uh, it's the same, like, I think this is a pretty common one on defense. Like, people are trying to know what the hitter is going to do. Yes. And then, you know, as soon as it's in the conscious part, it's obviously slower. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think some of the world's best defenders... What they're doing is they're putting themselves in great position and after that it's just reactionary. Mm -hmm. If you ask them what they did, they would have to think about it for a little bit. As soon as you're like trying to see like, and I'm like, oh, Alex is taking an approach now. Oh, he's going towards the line. I have to go a little bit more towards the line. You're already too slow. It has to be reactionary. But that's why also you need the amount of training that all of this cues that you're taking in, you don't have to take into the conscious part. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so you're obviously, it has to be in this un- subconscious yeah. uh, where you just react. And, uh, yeah, that's why I think a lot of people, they're just like too too focused on like, oh, yeah, you know, I have to stand in his cut shot. I have to do this. It's, the more you're starting to bring this to the conscious part uh, and the more you're like, I have to do this, the body becomes tense and the reaction is actually slower than when you have a relaxed. I think if you look at some of the world's best defenders, they look like they're some kind of like spaghetti noodles out there. Mm-hmm. You know, like their arms are like super loose. Uh, you know, they just make those quick reactions as you're to the ball. You know, like you look at Nick Lucina, Taylor Crab. you know, like how are their reactions? It's like s- the arms are like so relaxed, you know, like and they just like stab the ball. It's not like they're like they're tense. I have to do no. this. You know, so um, yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. And, uh, but obviously, I think they've seen, you know, uh, obviously they've seen a lot of beach volleyball and they've trained a lot. And, you know, that's why I think a lot of times they just make those adjustments because, you know, for them it feels like intuition. But the intuition was built by repetitions, mm-hmm. by training, by seeing, by analyzing stuff. Mm-hmm. And then also training it so often that it became part yeah. of their, you know, almost
0: subconscious. So would you say reading an attacker is, this is sort of how I think about it, it's it's not exactly reading exactly what's going to happen, but maybe seeing patterns of, okay, now they can probably not do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, the cut shot, they cannot, probably not do in some situations. Mm -hmm. But then also (laughs) making that so many repetitions that you don't need to think about that consciously, just you sort of just know that it's not going to go there and then you still react.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I think one part
0: is...
1: Oh, this is now multi-layer for me, so I'll just try to take it layer by layer. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So even if you know that there's a high likelihood of the cut shot coming, uh, what does that mean for you as a defender? How much of an adjustment? Will you go and stand in the cut shot? Will you take two steps closer to the cut shot or will you take only one step closer to the cut shot this is i think this is the first question yeah because i think if you go and stand in the cut shot you're sending obviously such a visual cue to the hitter that he's probably not going to do it yeah so i think the adjustments are only the difference you make such a big of adjustments on defense that the difference is you're not getting the ball to now you're basically diving to the ball and getting it i think this is the adjustment yeah so it ends up being like half a step maybe one step but not much more Mm -hmm. and i think this is already the first common mistake that people do they're like oh i gotta see this coming yeah but you're not gonna see it in a way where you're gonna stand there and it's gonna be a free ball for you Mm
0: -hmm. if the
1: if the hitter is somewhat of a good the adjustments are minimum you know like I think if people would go and, like, maybe watch a Christian Sodom or a Taylor Crab, like, they take different positions, but the differences are not, like, that he stands there and he just collects the ball. No. The differences are minimum. Like, maybe he takes one more step that direction, he leans one way and then goes another way, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's not about him actually standing there. Mm-hmm. So, first that we have to realize is, that, okay, the adjustments are very little. We're talking about a step. We're talking about maximum two steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So I think this is the first very important thing. The second important thing is that a lot of the, the reading or knowing the opponent happens uh, before the game, during the warm-up, stuff like that. But you don't always take all the cue, You don't just go and watch a random guy that you've never seen before. And all of a sudden, like, on this attack, you're going to read his attack. hmm Because there's multiple things that are happening. hmm so I think it's also a little bit of a preparation. So if I play a first time against you, I'm going to look a little bit of the mechanics. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look at like okay, uh, I'm going to look a little bit okay. Is he turning his wrist when he's hitting? Or already during a warm up, during a pepper session, mm-hmm. I see a guy constantly doing a thumb up. Oh, okay, I already know that that's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. I watch him a little bit during warm up. How is his jump? Does he rotate his hips? Does he turn one or the other way? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then you you can see okay, he should be probably better at this hit. Mm-hmm. And then also you do like a little bit of a statistics while you're playing against them. But in ideal case, you have all of this before. You don't have to do this on the fly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. like, let's say you have a game preparation. So I know I'm playing against a guy who maybe doesn't use a cut shot anymore. He's a crossbody hitter. Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting something like a straight hit and something like cross crossbody. Mm-hmm. So then I know that I'm not focusing on that area of the court. Yeah. So, but this is then my reading. And then there might be the reading that might happen is he's in a situation where he cannot hit a certain direction anymore. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's, yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think it's, it's more layers. Absolutely. And, you know, then it's also, I am still not just focused on the one hit. I still think then in the reaction on defense. So you gathered all this info. You, ga- you gathered the pre-knowledge about the hitter. Mm-hmm. So I know I have a cross body hitter. I know I have somebody who likes to maybe, you know, even shoot a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I just gather the info of his approach, the set. But then when he actually does the hit, then I want to be almost reactionary again. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to know where he's going to hit. I put myself in a position where I can probably take, you know, quite a lot of the court.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm not just going for the one hit. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's a very specific, you know, there are some hitters that have a very specific pattern. So, you know, somebody might go, you know, run a back set and they have such a strong pattern that they're going to hit, you know, uh, diagonal again. mm -hmm. So then you just go like, okay, well, basically almost,
0: fuck it. Yeah, you basically know that you can go there. Okay, yeah. Because, so here's what's going on in my mind, what I'm realizing about myself as you're talking and... I just want to see how far from, from this reality your reality is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at, at the point of, of contact, I have two different ways to, to do. Mm-hmm. I have one is, is the one where I think I try to read and I try to predict where they put the ball mm-hmm. and I go there. And as you say, sometimes if, if it's a very repetitive attacker mm-hmm. or if I'm lucky, this works. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I have the other, which is where I just wait and see. Mm-hmm. And, but the thing with the wait and see for me is I, I have zero care for patterns or reading mm-hmm. or anything. Because as soon as I, I, my mind starts trying to figure out something, then it goes into figuring out stuff mode, mm-hmm. which makes me less of a reactive player. And or makes defender. you slower, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't have an in-between mode where I can react, but I can still read a little bit. Unless I have that subconscious that I don't, I'm not aware of mm. that could be the, the case, but, but I don't feel like I have an in-between. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Do you think you have an in-between where you can uh, stay reactive, but, but you still gather yeah, knowledge?
1: Yeah, I think so, because I think, uh, and I think, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's a combination of both because, um, uh, I think the reading part for me is a lot of time what happens before the hit uh, and not at the actual hit. So, Mm -hmm. So I think the reading part is, you know, like, okay, what does he like to do? And then what is the situation allowing him to do? Yes. Okay. So let's say I know he's a crossbody hitter, right? And then also the set is a little bit, it's not perfect. So then I'm gonna make like minor adjustments. So maybe the set flew already like a bit further out if he's now a left side attacker, the set was a little bit longer, and he doesn't have sort of like a wrist away or a corkscrew or away from the body hit, whatever you call that. Mm -hmm. Um, So then the tendency becomes even more to the line. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm gonna take an adjustment step towards the line, but then I'm, I'm trying to go back into the reactionary mode because now I'm closer to that line yeah. And whatever happens to it, even if he plays it really good, I still have it. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to stand there. But now he could still try to maybe he saw my, you know, correction step or adjustment step and he might try to do something that he's not comfortable with but he can still do it. Mm-hmm. So I still want to be able to react. But I want to uh, force him in mm-hmm. the last the least favorable shot or the the one he doesn't prefer, the one that he doesn't do so well and hoping for it that he's not going to do it so well because you know it's just statistics yes yes okay. so i'm now closer to his really good shot or hit mm-hmm. and i'm further away from his not so good one so i'm just banking on that so the reading part happened before and then it's again reaction it yeah. could just be that he mishits the ball but i think uh, for me i think a lot of the people are trying to know where the ball is gonna go instead of just putting themselves in a better position what is more likely and then being reactive
0: reactive from there yeah yeah, yeah. so that sounds like a much more manageable thing to do for me uh, I st-
1: yeah i still think it's very hard because like first you're trying to be like oh i know what's happening you know yeah and you're still trying to make adjustments and then switch modes to like turn that off yeah. and i've told a lot of people already when i'm coaching is like you know actually take your eyes away from the hitter Actually, look at the ball. Not, I mean, not the whole time, obviously, but before mm-hmm. the hit. Actually, take away your eyes from the from the ball uh, from the hitter. Take your eyes on the ball, so you can just as soon as you see the ball moving to your left or to your right, you just storm off for it. Mm-hmm. Because especially, you know, we have a few of the. There's two general types of hitters. People that hit more straight get topspin on the ball mm-hmm. and people who, you know, are a little bit more what we call thumb up or thumb down. Yeah. A little bit, you know, you can see the ball going a little bit more side sidespin. Um, and what happens with people that are thumb up and thumb down or a little bit slicing the ball, whatever you want to call that, is after they contact the ball, the arm and the ball are not going the same direction. Right? Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. I'm... If you imagine I'm putting my hand on the ball and then I'm turning a little bit, you know, people, a lot of people emphasize the wrist quite a lot, right? Yeah. But you see at the end of the hit, your your hand is thumb up, the yeah. ball is going a little bit to your left, but your arm is probably going straight. Yeah. So you as a defender, if you're looking too much at the hitter, a lot of times you're still, you know, you haven't realized you're looking the, you're, you kind of take in more the arm that the arm is moving your direction or a different direction in the ball. Uh-huh. And you might even be reacting to that. And then you're like, after the hit, you're like, Oh, but I should have read that and stuff like that. But you're just taking other cues in. Yeah. So for example, especially with like hitters like that, a lot of times I tell like my players that I'm coaching, but now for at least for a few points, take your eyes away from the, from the hitter, from the arm that you think you're reading, but always going the wrong direction. Right. Mm hmm. Uh, just yeah. focus on the ball. What is also another general tendency from somebody who's a thumb up or a thumb down? They're not as accurate. Mm-hmm. Because if I go with my whole arm towards the target, I'm a little bit more accurate than if I'm slicing the ball. Yeah. Right? If I throw a ball, I don't know, towards you, my arm would probably go that direction. I wouldn't try to side spin throw the ball to you. It's no. just a little bit less accurate. Yeah. Power transfer is not there, stuff like that. So. You know, also, if I'm what they do, a lot of times they just lure me into one or the other one, you know, because they do it more hidden, right? Mm-hmm. I, I go in the wrong direction or yeah. I'm fooled. Yeah. But if I take the foolishness out of it, it's actually an easier shot to pick up. Okay. Yeah. Because they're not always going to put it like Bjorn Betty, like in the, in the deep corner of a, of a line shot. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one time it's going to be there. The next time it's going to be two meters in. The next time it's going to be, you know. Yeah. And then hopefully the other ones that are not as accurate I can still pick up. Yeah.
0: So, so in a sense the people that are good at fooling you, you take that tool away from them by not looking at them. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, I think every, every type of uh, hitting or every type of action has a certain message. Yeah. So for example, when you're trying to do a read defense, Mm-hmm. Right? when you're just standing there and trying to go wherever the ball is going, the message that you're sending to the hitter is you have to be have to do a good enough shot to score. Yeah. If you do anything less, it's my point. That's mm-hmm. the message. But when you're picking a side, you're like you're saying, okay, you, this ball is going there. So basically, let's say it's to your left side, and anything that is going to go in that direction, you're going to pick up. But anything that goes to your right side, which could be half of the court, mm-hmm. is their point. Mm-hmm. So you're making a choice now, so you basically it's a fifth, almost like a 50 50 What type of message? Yeah, or are you reading enough? So you're sending a message. So with whatever you do, so if somebody is a, a slicer, they're maybe not as accurate, but they fool the the defense a few more few more times. Mm-hmm. If somebody is a more of an honest hitter, so a lot a lot of times more with topspin, yeah, yeah, they yeah. become a lot more accurate most of the time. Yeah. Right. But, but they don't fool you as much. They don't fool you as much because even after the hit, you see the arm going the same direction. So
0: then it might be better to sort of try to read them a little bit more and react a little bit less. Maybe. Maybe.
1: I don't know. That's it's up to you. Yeah. But I think it's, yeah. It's it's a combo of things. What are the things you can do? And what are the things of the, that he, they can do? Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Hmm. But it's everything. Everything that you do has some some benefits and maybe some things that are a little bit less beneficial yeah absolutely so you know and then you just have to decide uh, which ones you want to take what is going to give you the most bang yeah. for the buck or yeah. but i also think that like when you say about defense i think people you know when they talk about reading is for them in the perception it's about i'm gonna at the end stand there and pick up an easy ball while the actual adjustment is just one step
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know you're going to get the ball but you're going to get it by doing a full sprint or by actually diving for the ball
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and uh, i think people also take in wrong cues or like or they do a wrong analysis afterwards maybe that sense where like you know you end up you, you end up having touched the ball but you didn't contr- control it and then you change your position mm-hmm. but whenever i was able to touch the ball there's a way for me to control it mm-hmm. I just didn't turn the hands the right way, yeah uh, you know, I did something, but it's maybe not so much wrong with my position. if my starting position allowed me to touch the ball, then it's. Yeah. You know, what did, good what did, what did I do at the contact for, for yeah. yeah maybe my then maybe my motor program is not good enough to you know you should be able to direct the ball there one handedly as well yeah where was well, where was your one hand facing you know why were you not able to maybe like Maybe drop the ball a little bit lower, so you get more time. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times we take things that are not related necessarily.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You need to know what what is the actual problem, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and uh, not think it's something else. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's super. Super insightful.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's it's hard to make like, uh, you know. I don't know if I can, I wouldn't dare to make a rule out of it, you know, like a uh, uh, rule of thumb, which is uh, already not a good expression, but, you know, like, uh, you, should, you should stand there on defense, you should do this. It's a, it's a combination of things. Yeah. And especially in beach volleyball, the attacker has the advantage. Yeah. So uh, the attacker is expected to score and to win. Mm-hmm. So And that's why I think it's good that we play to, you know, 21 points. Because you're obviously not going to be able to get every one of theirs. But over the long run, if you, you know, force them into their least favorable hits, if you force them into, you know, that kind of a stuff, Mm -hmm. then you win. Yeah. But I also think that, you know, this becomes a game only at the very, very top. Yeah. So, you know, I think even a lot of times at the national tour level, uh, if we have to quantify it now, it's more of a game of a serve and pass, and who comes into a good position. Yeah, yeah. It's not even a game of you know what you can do attacking, what you can do defending. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's more about the basics. Just getting into a position of attacking. Yeah. Yeah. And you know it's somebody doesn't have to be better, somebody doesn't have to be taller. Uh, it's they just serve and pass better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What happens then a lot of times is that you know the. Uh, people have this complex that they want to hit, but actually hitting, tar- uh, shooting the ball well would win a matches. Mm-hmm. But yeah, people just have the complex yeah. that they need to hit, that yeah. they need to block. There's, you know, I also tell a lot of people when we're training that they should play no block against certain opponents. And I think it would be very good up until a certain level, maybe sometimes even a national tour level. Mm-hmm. Because if my opponent cannot consistently get the ball in a position where they can spike it, what am I even doing at in it?
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: and I mean we've trained this, and and that was at a time when we were already winning national tours, and we would train to to play defense with no block, just two defenders from the beginning. Okay, you know,
0: that's uh, <laughs> that's uh,
1: uh, and it worked. I mean, in the long run, it doesn't then work out anymore because you know we played at the level where then you know if there's two defenders and nobody at the net, the setter started pushing the ball yeah. on the net even more. Mm-hmm. And then the hitter was just basically just hitting it down. Yeah. Uh, but it still helped us because we still come into a situation where here and there you might have to play without a block. You know, yeah. you might have scrambled for a ball, you
0: didn't make it back That's true. and stuff like that. So it's still... So it's rep rep training for for this type of... Uh...
1: Yeah, maybe yeah. even like, but there's there's, I think I would like to believe there is, not a situation in, in the game where you don't have a specific idea what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And let's say we're playing without a block, what, is, what are the hitter tendencies? So it doesn't matter what level, but if I leave you without a block, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, what, what I'm going to do? Yeah. Get uh, the shit out of it. Yeah. Most likely, right? Yeah,
0: or do the short poke. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and those are the two biggest tendency and they're almost universal. Yeah. So why? Because the first you see an open net and you want to punish the guys or the opponents to, you know, uh, leave you without a block. So you mm-hmm. try to hit and you try to hit hard. Yeah. And when you
0: hit hard, where do you hit? Uh, so, so what I noticed the other day, I, I played against this team that didn't block was you need to have the a, a, a steep yeah. First it's of all, you case.
1: try to hit it as down as possible. Exactly. Right. So you basically take your um, your orientation point is the net. The the net. Yeah. So also, what happens a lot of times, even with some of the the great guys, if they're without the block or with them, it happens a lot of times that it's a little bit of an early pull. Mm-hmm. What do they do? They a lot of times they even do the net. Uh, they get uh, the the net tape uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. clips on it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because what it doesn't matter. It could even be like a, a man playing on a woman's net. Mm-hmm. But what do they do? They, if they're they no block, they want to hit it as down as possible and their orientation point becomes the the upper tape of the net. Yeah. So a lot of times they actually accidentally hit it as well. Mm-hmm. And it happens to some good guys playing on a woman's net. Obviously not in the long run, but yeah. you know, in those situations. Yeah. Uh, So they try to hit as much down as possible and they try to hit hard so that means the direction is almost non-existent they almost always hit diagonal or towards the middle almost nobody hits line on points like that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: you would be surprised how many of them even in indoor if they're without a block middle of the court Mm -hmm. and then as much down as it's possible in the situation if it would be possible to hit it one meter down they would if it's not if it's only three it's only three if it's six it's six but In that point, the attacker is not thinking about, you know, changing the hit, redirecting it. But they just want to hit us down and as hard as possible.
0: So are you saying that as a defender, you don't go to the line then?
1: Of course. Why would you go? So you just kind of scoop over to the middle.
0: Uh, And towards the net. Yeah.
1: And also what happens then, you know, if it's maybe not an ideal, ideal situation for them, you know, Mm -hmm. you can still hit more powerful diagonal than you can hit line. Yeah. And so the line is less powerful and less accurate because you have to change something. Mm-hmm. So that means even if I'm standing now more towards the middle or even in the middle, I still have more time to react towards the line hit. Plus there's a higher chance of you missing it. Mm-hmm. So you know, I might have very low chances of scoring, but I'm still trying to increase my chances yeah, of scoring. absolutely. So, but everything you do, you try to do it a little bit with like sort of an idea. Yeah. And like you said, and then what happens the hitter like he gets tired of killing you or he gets tired of getting dug, whichever everyone is happening mm-hmm. and then they try to outsmart the system and they see two defenders in the back What do they do? They try to do the, the short pokey,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know saving energy being smarter than you stuff like that Yeah, and then it again becomes a reading game. Yeah So, you know, can I see based on your approach based on the stuff you're doing mm-hmm. and that's again for me It's the visual part you know, the biggest difference for the hitter or for the attacker is to have the same approach for the hard hit and for the, for the shooting part. Yeah. Usually what happens when we start to shoot is what, you know, you slow down your approach, mm-hmm. you're not as aggressive, you tend to look over more because you want to pick a spot mm-hmm. um, where you're going to shoot. Uh, you know, you... Uh, you maybe you never open up for the full hit, you know, obviously when you try to hit, you go further back with your uh, elbow, with that. your arm, hitting arm, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? But there's, so a lot of times when I was coaching the defenders and we just had the option of, you know, hitting or shooting, I tell them like, just look at the hitter and tell me if there's something different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't really have to know what it was, but when you're looking at them, you just see that they're slower, they're looking over more. Uh, they're not really like opening up as much or whatever it is, but their approach changes. Yeah. Then you probably know that they're going to be shooting. Yeah. Because the hardest thing is like taking a slow medium approach or like not going up aggressively and still hitting the ball.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Karch talked about this hickey. Like you just see that there's something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's when you get suspicious.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And then it's again, you know, like if if you're expecting a hard hit, it's probably similar to what we said earlier about a jump serve. You probably get a little bit lower because it's a little bit, you know, it's not going to be as far away from you. You know, there's less outcomes again Mm -hmm. and you don't have to run as much, but with the hard hit, it's going to be obviously, you're not going to have enough time. So you're just going to slide sort of into it one or the other way. These are not not the best terminology right now, but... Uh, but it's, you know, visual would be now easier if anyway, <laughs> to the people that are going to be listening. But if you're expecting a shoot, you know, it's probably going to be some of the corners. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to take a few steps before you actually get there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're probably not going to be all the way low and, you know, obviously not as to grass uh, mm-hmm. position. That's not that position you're going to have with the head either, but just to go to the extremes. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, but you want to find so it's probably going to be a little bit you know your stance is probably going to be a little bit higher when you're going for a shoot than when you're expecting a a hard driven ball. It's not going to be again a big difference, but probably a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, did you realize all these things as a kid when you started playing this, no. or or from coaching, or from conversations, or
1: I, I think it's like we. Uh, we learn constantly, so uh, I think part of it was playing, part of it was like me going around and chain, not, not just changing, but actually, yeah, I picked pieces here, pieces there um, from different coaches, from different environments, yeah. uh, and then it sort of becomes into, I think it's important to have sort of a round picture of what you want to achieve, yeah. and I still think there's room for certain, you know, nuances in there always, but I, I I like to believe that, you know, now it's, uh, I don't think I'm going to get a big flash now that I have to do a 180 degree turn, Mm -hmm. uh, in the stuff that I'm doing. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but I think it was along the way, you know, as a player and then also when you're coaching, um, and I'm actually, I was actually surprised how much of it was actually having Because as a player, when you're playing, you do a lot of stuff, you just do them. You learn them and, you know, like even coaches, they don't comment on it because you're doing them well. Mm -hmm. And there's certain stuff that is very logical for you. And then, you know, you have a group of beginners who have never played before and, you know, you have to go explain things very differently. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it happened just a few weeks ago when I was in camps and, uh, you know, I I thought I explained it to them really well and, you know, went in depth. And then at the end of the session, they said the most basic thing ever. I really don't remember what it was. Uh. And I was like, he asked the question and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, oh, I never thought about it that way. And I'm like, oh, I thought I was explaining it to you for an hour. I was like, oh, I wasn't really getting it. I was like, well, cool. Uh, <laughs> but it was like the most basic thing ever. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, sorry. Like, but maybe like how to hold your, you know, hands together for a set. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, yeah, cool. It's cool that you asked because the same problem that you had, three other people had. Yeah. So I was happy he asked the question, although yes. I felt kind of dumb that I never mentioned it. Yeah. But, you know, my, my I don't know, my, my world at that point is completely different than somebody else's. Yeah. Oh. And, you know, even coaching hobby players and beginners uh, really, really helped me sort of understand the game better i agree so but i also find it dangerous you know i don't feel if i don't have if i don't feel knowledgeable about a thing then just like teach somebody else how to do it it's always like hmm. Mm-hmm. so that was always like my my problem
0: okay uh, uh, so, so that made you think a lot about things or yeah and also like ask people who've been doing it
1: longer and stuff yeah. like that and also like you know in the training that i had but A good example of that is like I've been, you know, obviously fitness and uh, weightlifting and has been part of my program for, what, 15 years now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And obviously I've done a lot of it. I've done with, I've trained with different coaches and, you know, but I still wouldn't feel comfortable giving somebody real coaching.
0: In fitness. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Maybe, you know, like I would notice a thing or two and I would like give them, you know, suggestions. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't feel comfortable like taking somebody over and coaching them in weightlifting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, although, you know, my technique is pretty good and I get, you know, like compliments from professionals, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, even with the complex uh, um, drills like, you know, clean snatches or no. uh, squats, whatever it is, you know, I've done a lot of it and the technique is not bad. Mm-hmm but I still don't know the whole mechanics behind it, the physiology behind it. So I don't want to be a weekend, weekend certificate coach. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that is always a little bit like how much of it do you give? How much of it is like, you know, certified as, you know, so.
0: Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think it's a good, good, ex, um, good uh, example of, uh, of how complex, uh, things can be like uh, my shoulder problems. I talked to, I think at least five different physios mm-hmm. uh, and I tried everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, what ends up fixing my shoulder is, is a combination of some yoga thoughts and some my uh, my own, own experimentation. Mm-hmm. And then I go like, really? Like five different physios? No one mentioned this exercise to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like and these are people that have gone to school for for years yeah. so so it's it's things are really really complex mm-hmm. uh, now actually uh, just a few months ago i went to one of the physios mm-hmm. that i usually go to and uh I like just sometimes sharing my ideas and getting feedback also and uh, and I said that I did this for my shoulder and, and it fixed it and uh, no one told me to do that and he was like oh that's really interesting because according to him that was uh, something he had thought could be a possibility but there's no studies showing that mm-hmm. that's that's uh, that actually fixes shoulder problems mm-hmm. uh, so he could like uh, intellectually like uh, model and explain why it probably worked for me mm-hmm. uh, it was stretching my lat, mm-hmm. <laughs> as, yeah. as simple as that yeah. uh, but but he said there's no studies today that show that stretching your lat fixes yeah I mean this is this is a hard uh, topic for me because
1: obviously I have I don't this is definitely not a anything where I'm an expert yeah yeah um, so yeah but yeah, I think there's definitely like interconnections, and I don't know. I think I just saw a video recently about it. it like, it was just about shoulder and like the lats, uh, stiff lats, and stuff. Um, actually, like yeah, hindering it. So, but I don't know. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And we don't need to go yeah. into that. It, it was more just an example of how. complex things are uh, like both in in the physical sense but also beach volleyball sense and like how you (laughs) kind of just need to be careful with with (laughs) advice in a sense yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah uh this has been a super insightful conversation i have enjoyed it a lot i hope you have too yeah Uh, i i do have a few last questions which the first one of them is is there something that you would have wanted to talk about that we didn't? So it's basically an invitation to do <laughs> no, I mean, the whole thing over again.
1: Obviously, I spend a lot of time in uh, in beach volleyball right now. It's like it's my work. It's my it's my hobby, and you know, it's also like it's it's I do a lot of it. So I mean, I I do have certain opinions about it, but uh, and no, I thought that was that was good. I've actually done more. Uh, more uh, technical and tactical stuff that I, or like, you know, like about just the game that I usually don't do so much. Uh, So I thought it was cool. You you do more technical? No, like nowadays, like I don't, like for me, I think it's important to have coaches, but like I don't necessarily go into like you know this school against this school. For me, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. I think people should just do whatever they feel comfortable with or whatever. You know, obviously I follow a certain school of thought when I coach, mm-hmm. uh, but for me, like now, because I'm so much in beach volleyball, the whole like sports managerial side of it, uh, the structural side of it, has become something that consumes me more than just like, you know, should we play the, the bugger or the platform more on the side or in front of me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I'm, but so that's why it's been a little bit more into the, okay, how should we, you know, play the the game now a bit more than I usually talk about, so that's, that's just it.
0: Okay, yeah, uh, I see, yeah. I see, it. nice. Um, second question. Uh, fun one if do you listen to podcasts uh here and there here and there yeah. if you would uh, be able to choose a guest that i would have on this podcast now that you know what being on this podcast is sort of like who would you like to listen to uh i think there's a
1: i actually don't know who you've had already uh so is it from this environment uh, you or? can
0: choose whoever in the world uh, i think there's a
1: there's a there's quite a few very interesting. So when you're talking about technical stuff, you know, I, for example, had a, I thought I had some amazing coaches. So anything from now already, unfortunately, uh, passed away, but like he was one of the fathers of USA Volleyball, Carl McGowan. Uh-huh. I thought he was a very interesting mind of like uh, in anything regarding volleyball. He mm-hmm. was obviously more indoor volleyball, but... Uh, you know, I enjoyed every every second I got to listen to him. Oh. Uh, and I think also that he was just a, you know, always fabulous speaker as well. So that made it even even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now, you know, the last, uh, what was it? The last winter I was in Germany. And for example, I got to train with Hans Vogt. I think he's one of the, the greatest minds beach volleyball has probably ever seen. Okay. Uh, when it comes to technical. Never heard the name. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he was he was on both uh, gold medal staffs uh, so I think most yes. people know of Jürgen Wagner, who was, uh, you know, sort of a little bit more in the forefront, um, sort of like the, I, I guess, I don't know if he was the head coach or how they had it that sorted out, but obviously Hans was on both of the teams and, you know, Jürgen and Hans, they, they worked together for quite a while. I think even Hans was his uh, uh, university professor, so uh-huh. even a mentor and stuff like that. But I haven't had I haven't met Jürgen yet, so I cannot say anything about him. But I know that I enjoyed my time with Hans unbelievably. Okay, it's just a great mind. Uh, okay,
0: so uh, the German quality of breaking down thoughts about the sport. Yeah, I don't think I've ever <laughs>
1: seen anybody break it down uh, more than he did. Okay, um, but yeah, and then you know when I was my time in Australia, you know there was a very interesting mind there in, in Hayden um, in Melbourne, Hayden Ellis. Um, so. I mean, uh, the attention to detail that he has and, you know, the stuff when we talked about there about arm swing attacking, some of the defensive concepts, uh, it's unbelievable. So I think this has been also my fortune that, you know, that I've been to other places. So you get to meet a lot of those people who, you know, if you would put them all in the same room, maybe it wouldn't always gel between them. You know, (laughs) they would have different views. Uh But you get to, like, you know, listen to them, learn from them, and actually, like them coaching you, I think that's uh, uh, that's unbelievable. And I think there's more people out there like that yeah. uh, that I just haven't met or just didn't have the the fortune yet of uh, of working with. And you know, there's a lot of good coaches who have amazing resumes. Uh, you know, worked with some of the world's best teams, uh, but I just haven't uh, haven't been able to work with them. So it's uh, um, yeah. So there's a. I would like to work with everybody, at least to understand their basic uh, philosophy and how they view the game and stuff like
0: that. Yeah. I'm super happy I asked you that question because I I just got three names that I've never heard of before. Yeah. (laughs) But those are just my names, you know? So I think if
1: you would ask uh, other people, they would give you uh, other names. Of course. Of course. And, you know, at the end, I'm not going to be the one who's going to say, like, you know, my names are greater than than their names. No, 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 no. So, but, yeah. Those, were, those have been, like, some... And now I'm also, like, doing... By naming those three, you know, I'm obviously did some... Uh, you cannot always mention all of them, you know? So yeah, now I mentioned three, and now, like, I'm, like,
0: thinking... <laughs> Who am I? Yeah, by so, you know, mentioning. like, somebody
1: who's, like, now maybe going to be going to listen, and I didn't mention them, and I'm going to be like, fuck. Uh, but there's been... And I think, you know, there's been a lot of great influences. So, for example, you know, one of my first coaches that I started with Uh, I think he's the best coach at coaching the youth that I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, doesn't matter where I went, I don't think I've seen anybody better than him. Okay. Um, So, you know, and uh, I think his name is going to be very known because his son is one of the better players in the world right now. Uh, But, for example, Peter Možić was one of my first coaches, and I've never seen anybody be so so good at attracting the youth uh, with his, you know, uh, humor, um, aura that he just portrays, mm-hmm. and then being able to, you know, make him fall in love in volleyball, and also give him such great basics that they develop. A lot of them develop into great volleyballers. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't maybe that he gave them like all the details that some other coaches did, but you know, with the youth that's or with the kids that's almost all almost impossible sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, but he found a really good way to animate them with the game of volleyball so that they fall in love with it and still give them really good basics so when they left sort of you know his age groups that they still turned to be into really good
0: passion and and some good fundamentals exactly and And that's your job as a youth coach yeah
1: and some of them even had such good fundamentals that i know that in some later stages nothing was added to them but they still developed into some really good with nothing added, I exaggerated a little bit, but, like, not much, you know, obviously didn't have maybe great coaching throughout their career, uh-huh. uh, but they still developed into some really good players because they had really good fundamentals. Okay, that's so, Yeah. What was the saying? Uh, I think nowadays a lot of people are going to see, like, if they watch indoor volleyball, yeah. they're going to see there's, like, a youngster, 19-year-old from Slovenia, Rok Možić, uh-huh. um, so, and his dad, I think, is... Uh, he was my, my first coach, so yeah, yeah. and obviously I worked with him quite for a long time, and yeah. uh, even later on I kept kept going back and like coaching with him, and he was just unbelievable. Okay. And nice. I've learned a lot of like you know like just how to do coaching from him. Yeah. So. Huh,
0: amazing. Yeah. Uh, this this Australian coach that you said, Melbourne yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, there's this Swedish uh, player girl. Uh, that I think you know. But she said she was in Australia coached by someone that, that talked a lot about uh, martial arts and mm-hmm. just movement flows. Yeah. Is, is this the same guy? Probably. I don't know who the Swedish girl was. but uh... um, Luda's sister. Yeah, What's Sige. Her? Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah, so she was there as well. So, I mean, I know she's trained be- with him before. So, I don't know what her experience with him was. Uh-huh. But for me, like, uh, I trained a little bit longer with him and I, I enjoyed it a lot. And I think, uh, you know, he, he definitely added some, uh, some stuff to my game. So, I'm... Okay. Yeah. That's cool. And it was basically like he saw me and he was like, okay, this is what we have. And then he tried to, you know, work way, find ways around it. And yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know how much time Sige or some other people spent with him. And, you know, maybe her experience is completely different. Maybe, maybe. for her it was nothing special.
0: No, she uh, said it was really good. Okay. Uh. Yeah,
1: I had no idea. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, I thought Hayden was, uh, yeah, definitely one of the great ones. And then, you know, when you're in Melbourne, then there's Big L. you know, he sort of runs the community there. He has his own club and it's Vic Beach. And, you know, I think he learned a lot from Hayden, mm-hmm. but he also added a lot of his stuff. And I think he's also a great coach. Okay. Um, so, you know, but... Maybe I didn't mention him because, you know, Hayden was a little bit more of the guy who came up with more stuff on his own. And so, you know, yeah. it was maybe a little bit more out of the box than...
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Super interesting. Uh, I need to look into into these people. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, so someone who has listened uh, to this whole episode and uh, they're uh, stoked that I took you on and and they're <laughs> impressed by your thoughts. How do they... Do you coach nowadays? Do you, uh, can people contact you? Is there or are you like no? I'm not. Well, <laughs> people I d- shouldn't contact me. I don't want more work. i want to do too much. No. <laughs>
1: like I said, I, uh, I my primary thing is that I still want to be an active player. Uh-huh. So I adjust basically my life to so I can be an active player. Mm-hmm. So I do some coaching, but I do it mainly on in the camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been like, for example, now I spend like six weeks with volley tours, mm-hmm. which I think should be pretty normal here in Sweden Uh, since it is sort of what the before it was beach camp now it's volley tours Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah I go got camps with them but other than that I barely do any coaching maybe here and there like for example I'm in Gothenburg I might take a session or two but uh, yeah it's not my primary thing yeah not anymore like there was periods in between where I did more and I even had like some pro teams and stuff like that but it's just hard to combine when you're playing it on your own But I mean, with some, let's say, smaller things like one time coaching or like a one time discussion it's never a problem so yeah, yeah, yeah. cool <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, at least you have an Instagram that people yeah. can follow yeah for sure <laughs> uh, which uh, you need to know some <laughs> some spelling for yeah, it's it's uh, hard spelling but it's just
1: basically my, my first and my last name so it's Nate Zimniak so yeah
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> if, 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 if the listeners are lucky I'm gonna spell your name right on the episode yeah. name <laughs> yeah and maybe I can even put a link there. Yeah, great, <laughs> thank <your> you. <laughs> All right. Um, and you don't want any else other contact info you know, of any sort? I mean, I'm on, I'm on the way to
1: have like, I'm right now, I'm gonna, we're gonna do a new website again. And like I do, we do have a Facebook page for our team and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, everybody is happy. I mean, I'm happy for everybody to, to join or follow or whatever it is. And like, I'm also happy if you contact me but uh, I'm not trying to be here like too much advertising. Yeah. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm happy if somebody even, uh, let's say, listen to this whole episode. I don't know if it's going to be two or three hours, but it could be long. <laughs> it became long. Yeah. Another one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if anybody is like, let's say, obviously, I spent quite a lot of time in that. And, you know, there's, there's even some, you know, side ideas that we're running or like some side business and stuff like that. Uh, so we're always also help, uh, happy about some help on the side as well so i'm never i'm never gonna turn anybody away i think it's just sometimes it might be that take a little bit longer to answer yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, Uh. that's (laughs) why
0: okay amazing thanks a lot i think uh i think we're done unless you have something
1: no well thank you thank you for having me yeah Uh,
0: thank you for taking the
1: time and uh, i hope somebody else enjoys that as well not just us two uh <laughs> i'm i'm sure they will it's,
0: it, i have some quite good nerds on, in the yeah, okay, <laughs> in, the, good. Yeah.
1: in the audience yeah uh, i hope i'm not gonna get too many messages like this is all wrong what you're saying
0: <laughs> i've been
1: taught otherwise okay well i believe you
0: <laughs> i think we also talked about the humbleness and how okay. things can be <laughs> so yeah shouldn't, shouldn't be so bad <laughs> good all right thanks well thank you all right I hope this has been a good episode and that you have gotten some new insights and learned some things. And maybe it has provoked some thoughts, like I said in the beginning of the first episode, uh, in your mind. At least I have started to implement some small stuff into my game already. I've started adding some cut shots into my game. I started being more mindful of how deep in the court I'm standing when people jump serve me, etc. And maybe there will be some bigger things in the future. So I hope that you guys agree <laughs> that I should continue making these episodes. Basically, if I can self-proclaim something, I'm gonna self-proclaim that I'm the nerdiest beach volleyball YouTube channel, and um, I feel like there's some something good going on here. Like if I can get these high-level beach volleyball players onto this podcast and have really nerdy conversations with you know like this was an amazing one no really time limits like nate's even told me afterwards that it was amazing to have time to talk about things properly rather than more of an interview style where it's like uh what do you think about this okay the next question dr-dr-dr-dr. uh more like because it is a it is a sport with a lot of details so it is good to be able to have these these deep dives and uh yeah i'm Getting more and more like possibilities and people are more and more positive to come onto the podcast. So I think that we should all together, of course, it's it's mostly my job, but you guys can also help. I think we should all together try to make this uh, podcast as big as possible. And one little trick that you guys can do to trick the YouTube algorithm or, or make the YouTube algorithm like this project a little bit more and create some community feeling is to... Um, so this is an episode on the podcast apps you can find it all the apps but you can also find this episode on youtube i will put the link to the youtube episode in the podcast episode descriptions and on youtube there's a comment section and the comment section allows us to share with each other and even discuss things so if there's some new thoughts something you learned from this episode something you're wondering, something you would want to explore more, whatever, feel free to go to the YouTube comment section and write these thoughts down because then we can read each other's comments and we can learn from each other and uh, discuss and the YouTube algorithm will like this project more and we will also get more help from YouTube to make this uh, project grow. So cool. I think you guys know the, all the other drills <laughs> I've shared this to to other Volley Nerd friends and and subscribe to everything. Um I don't know if I've said this before, but I think there's also a review section on most podcast apps sort of regardless of which podcast app you use. They they kind of tend to have their own. Uh if there's a star system, give it as many stars as you as you want. Uh, I would suggest of course 5 5 out of 5. And if there's a way to write a a quick little text about uh, how amazing this podcast is, that would also help, of course. Uh, Basically, anything that helps the podcast helps all of us, and it shouldn't take long at all. So that would be really amazing if you wanted to do that. All right, that was it for this time. See you in the next episode or video or whatever it might be. And keep on learning beach volleyball.